0: that his dreams will go unfulfilled as long as I'm alive.
1: Hello, welcome to Guide to the Unknown, I'm Kristen.
0: And I'm her little brother, William.
1: And today we're gonna talk about those weird Simpsons predictions that pop up online every once in a while and kind of bounce back and forth, volleying different things to each other that they have predicted rightly over their, what, 31 year lifespan.
0: Yeah, it is pretty ridiculous. They're about to become the longest running sitcom, I think, of all time. Yes. Uh and uh I it's it's really sort of a meme, the whole idea of The Simpsons did it. There's that entire South Park episode where um I think is it is it Butters is he upset because every evil plan he tries to hatch as Professor Chaos is something that the Simpsons already did?
1: Really? I haven't seen that one.
0: hmm It's a whole episode about how the Simpsons have already done everything, so why bother?
1: That's and really funny.
0: I think they were talking about it from the perspective of like writing plot lines, but hey, us living in reality, the yeah. Simpsons have already done it. They've already covered a lot of the things that have happened in real life. They saw it's- them coming somehow.
1: It's completely crazy. So before we go into that, we just want to mention that you can find links to everything we do on gttupod.com. So that includes our spinoff show, Ghost Adventures Adventures, where we talk about the show Ghost Adventures, unsurprisingly, through the lens of superlatives like Most Dramatic Moment, Strangest Move... Things like that. And our most recent episode had a guest on it, Liz Sauer from Ghosts in the Burbs. So you can check that out there at gttupod.com. You'll also find our Patreon link there, our merch store link, all of our social media. We have a whole GTT universe going on right now, and we would love for you to be a part of it. So go check that out, and especially check out our Patreon, because we have a third podcast over there just for our patreon donors and tons of bonuses
0: yeah it's super fun there's so much stuff uh Mm -hmm. locked behind the the, uh the patreon border that's Uh, right so definitely get in on that if you're enjoying guide to the unknown and man that ghost adventures adventures with liz Sauer was so much fun Mm -hmm. to do that show is so ridiculous we love it stupid and great <laughs>
1: it, it's such a fun spin-off of the show it's dumb and fun yeah. if you like this I think you'll like that so definitely check it out and again we really really appreciate your support through patreon so if you like what we do we put out two shows a week now if you like that and you'd like to support us please go to patreon and we're so happy to thank you by giving you bonuses over there so go check it
0: out so happy to thank you
1: so happy to thank yeah
0: <laughs> All right, <so> let's <laughs> talk about the Simpsons predictions Real oh quick, I want to ask you before we talk about like the actual predictions themselves and and, and how and why. Mm-hmm. What are your feelings about the Simpsons themselves? Have you ever been like a Simpsons fan?
1: Okay, I'm not like a Simpson. I'm not a super fan by any means. And I wonder if it wouldn't even be accurate to call myself a fan because I haven't kept up with it regularly. But whenever I watch it, I really like it. I enjoy The Simpsons. Yeah. But it's just not something that I have consistently watched like ever. Yeah. I mean, I, I've seen a whole, you know, bunch of episodes just because it's part of the zeitgeist and everything. But um I, I, I like it, but I can't say that I'm like a diehard fan. What about you?
0: Yeah, I think probably about the same. I mm-hmm. like The Simpsons is one of those things like Saturday Night Live to me that I respect as an institution.
1: Yes, I feel very similarly about both of those things.
0: Yeah, there are just like so many, you know, people have either made cameos over there or writers that I really like have worked on The Simpsons over the course of time. Um, And it's been going for basically my entire life. Yeah. It's just like it's like a juggernaut of comedy that I I love, even if I'm not watching every single episode. Yeah. Um, I think even today, it's very frequently put down as being like, well, it's not as good as it used to be. But, you know, they they also say that about Saturday Night Live. It's like, maybe you have your Simpsons. Maybe everybody views that, like, season three to six golden era as being, you know, after that, the Simpsons died. But to me, it's just like, I don't know. I like those characters. I like that world a bunch. Yeah, Ali and I have even, like, on the rare instance that we are watching TV live, You know, if The Mm -hmm. Simpsons is on, we've thrown it on and seen modern episodes that I find very charming.
1: Me too. Actually, Ryan had The Simpsons on, like, I don't know, not super long ago. So I was watching it and it was a new episode and I thought it was funny. Yeah. You know what? You just saying that maybe everybody has their era of Simpsons reminds me of because it's been on for so long. I wonder that this if the same way and I'm not even necessarily linking it to this literal age span, but I wonder if the same way some people feel like they had some glory years, like their, te- their mm. teen years were glory years. Maybe there was a time where they just really liked the Simpsons and they see that as being kind of preserved in amber and untouchable yeah, and maybe. nothing else could ever touch that because it just hit them right at that moment for whatever reason.
0: Yeah, sure. Yeah. The, the stars aligned.
1: Yeah. Right. And it and just completely put into it.
0: place. I got that. Um, but, uh, yeah. damn it. You know what? I am, uh, I'm charmed. By the Simpsons, yes. Even even today, you'll never, I, you will not have me poo poo the Simpsons.
1: No, I have I have nary a bad word to say about the Simpsons. Yeah. Um, I also I visited the Simpsons uh, Springfield thing at Universal Studios in Orlando when I went there in March right before everything locked down. Yeah. And that was super fun. Like we went to um, the little pub area where you could. They had a bunch of different stations. You mean where like Moe's Tavern? Moe's Tavern, but also um, they had kind of different stations where you could get different Simpsons themed food and then bring it into Moe's Tavern. And we got some sort of flaming drink. I can't remember what the name of it flaming was. Flaming Moe. A flaming Moe. Yeah. Yes. We got flaming Moe's, like non-alcoholic flaming Moe's. Nice. And um, it's just, it's super fun. Like, I feel like the Simpsons is almost, it's so American and like omnipresent. Like, how can you not like the Simpsons? I
0: know. I you know. know. What I mean,
1: like It's so popular not to like them.
0: And to Isn't be like, well, they, right. they've lost the heart. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I mean, Whatever. never mind that the show is obviously still doing well enough to keep going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, no, I, I, I have great respect for The Simpsons.
1: Yeah, it just feels like, it feels right. It feels mm-hmm. right that The Simpsons is around.
0: Yeah, it's going to be weird someday when it's not.
1: <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. Okay, so, but it is a thing that in the course of the show's run, they've predicted all these things that came to pass later. And so a lot of people are, are like, what is the deal with Simpsons? It's like this Nostradamus cartoon thing. And I did, before we go back and forth, naming things they predicted, I did a little bit of research into how they have so many correct predictions. And it's pretty simple and it's pretty short. Okay. First of all, just from like a logistical standpoint, the shows are aired a year after they're written. So the writers literally try to predict what's going to be going on in the world a year from now so that the episode is relevant That's funny. when it, when it airs. And they have a lot of really smart people on the writing staff. Like it's a lot of people from Harvard and stuff like that. So it seems like their staff is interested in more than just comedy. Um, as we'll see from our prediction, some of these are like very brainy and they're able to kind of use that to predict what's going to happen in the future and sometimes it's right yeah that makes sense
0: i I, that's that's kind of interesting right some of it's funny though too because like some of the predictions that we've got are things that wouldn't happen for like 20 years later
1: yes that's true but maybe they just have enough i don't know perspective yeah and insidery sort of knowledge on some certain things like entertainment world things maybe they could you know maybe they keep their finger on the pulse of stuff like that Mm. um that, I don't know, That it seems like maybe they have a lot of well-rounded staff members who are able to kind of figure these things out. I mean, it's just, it's kind of cuckoo. Uh, I also think that there's got to be
0: something to the idea that, you know, The Simpsons is a show that was, at you know, at its core, it's satirizing the the sort of like family sitcom. And then yes. broader than that, satirizing small town and broader than that, satirizing American culture. And so when you're making fun of enough stuff over the course of 31 years, some of them are going to eventually, you know, come true or shape the future. I, I think I've got a couple of things that like the future was actually completely shaped by things that The Simpsons did.
1: Oh, interesting. Well, you just said exactly the second part to it, that it's partially a numbers game. The show is packed with pop culture references, current event references, everyday life references, and it does this every week for thirty one years. You're bound to get some stuff right, basically. Yeah. yeah. Right.
0: Agreed. Agreed, agreed.
1: All right. Will, you wanna you wanna throw a Simpsons prediction at me?
0: Yeah, sure. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the dark horse of them all. We're going to start off strong here, because this is a headline that I saw uh, not infrequently four years ago. And uh, when we were talking about this topic, it was the first thing that sprang to mind. There is a thing going around that the Simpsons predicted the presidency of Donald Trump.
1: Yes. Okay. I don't really know about this. Yeah. I vaguely, when you brought it up, was like, I think I've heard something about that, but Lay it on me. I'm very curious.
0: Yeah. Usually if you Google this, you're going to find an image that's like the Simpsons uh, with Donald Mm -hmm. Trump behind a podium, which looks exactly like the podium he stood behind when he announced his bid for presidency. Mm -hmm. That is from a thing that they did after Donald Trump had announced that he was going to run. Okay. So that gets sort of like shared around as if it's like something that they made 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. But it's not. It's not. The thing that they did that predicted the Donald Trump presidency is actually a lot smaller, but in a weird way has ramifications that are a little more biting. Um, Mm. Because there was an episode of The Simpsons called Bart to the Future. This was Mm -hmm. season 11, episode 17. So tidally in an uh, an era when people would have said The Simpsons is not as good anymore. It aired uh, March 19th in the year 2000 and the premise is as follows. It's Lisa uh, envisioning or I'm sorry, it's Bart envisioning the future. He's seeing his own future where he has grown up to kind of be a failure. Meanwhile Lisa is the president of the United States. And he goes to live with her in the White House and is kind of like you know the president's dopey brother who's like lying on the couch drinking a beer in the oval office. Yeah. But part of the um uh I don't know, scene setting of Lisa being the president is that she's struggling because she is in she has inherited a busted economy from the previous president Donald Trump. Ah. So it's only mentioned in like a couple of lines, but it was like you know, like the economy was in the pits, they had to, to sell the amber waves of grain to pay off American <laughs> debt. Like it and, and so in a weird way, like if you actually think about like seeing the ramifications of a Donald Trump presidency rather than just some joke about Donald Trump behind the um Podium. The, the podium going, You fired or something you like fired. that. Yeah. Uh I don't know, it's a little more biting to me. So You know
1: what? I wonder, do you think that they made it Donald Trump because they were doing a back to the future sort of pun and Biff in the future is modeled after Donald Trump?
0: That's interesting. That's very interesting. I don't know. I mean, for sure, Donald Trump had uh, sort of threatened to run for president in the past before. That's
1: true. That's true.
0: So I think that it was maybe just sort of like on the nose and people, people for a long time, for like decades have been saying, like, what if we give this idiot businessman the chance? Um, right. So it may have just been playing off of that, but who, you know, also the Simpsons as parodying real life. There was nothing dumber yeah. than making Donald Trump the president. Yeah. And so they did it. And then it became a fact 16 years later. Right, um, But so the, the writer of this episode, Dan Greeney, in an interview with The Hollywood repor- Reporter, uh, explained that he wrote the gag of Donald Trump as president because it, quote, just seemed like the logical last stop before hitting bottom. Right. It was pitched because it was consistent with the vision of America going insane. So he saw I'm, it.
1: Yeah. Um, he, four days he after. He foresaw it.
0: Yeah, he did. Four mm-hmm. days after Donald Trump was elected as 45th president of the United States, in uh, um, the opening credits of the next episode of The Simpsons where Bart is writing on the chalkboard, yeah. he writes, being right sucks. <laughs> over and over and over again. Um, now, I also want to point out that while this episode did see the future, I uh, yeah. did try to warn us. Right? Uh, Entertainment Weekly at the time named it the worst Simpsons episode of all time.
1: Really? Uh
0: Uh-huh. Saying, while Bart to the future was likely better than anything else on TV the week it first aired, even Mojo the Monkey could have banged out a more inventive script.
1: Yikes.
0: Even Mojo the Monkey?
1: Even Mojo the Monkey? Even Mojo the Monkey. (laughs) That's ridiculous. Also, Simpsons is on Fox, right? Yes. This was a a different era and everything um, when they... Uh, Well, even when they aired the episode after he was elected. But it's kind of like funny to think about something on Fox making a joke about how like Trump sucks.
0: Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Well, you know, the the Simpsons made a lot of jokes about Disney and like uh, uh, sweatshops and stuff like that. And
1: yeah,
0: they're on on Disney Plus. (laughs)
1: Right. (laughs) Yeah. Reading through this, I was like, I kind of forgot. Not that it's like so crazy, but I kind of forgot that the Simpsons like takes a stand on things. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's not just kind of like cute and funny or sometimes weird, but like it is a little um, political. Sure. And and, you know what I mean?
0: Simpsons isn't fooling around.
1: No, it's not. And I just, I haven't seen it in, you know, consistently in a good while. So I kind of just think of it as a cartoon in a way. But going through this list, I was like, huh, they got got something to say over there.
0: Yeah, even if they're being completely ridiculous and over the top, usually there's something they're driving at, which I
1: like. Right. Yeah, I do too. Okay, so... My first prediction is kind of similar to yours in that it's very timely, and also there's an aspect of it that didn't really take place when people say that it did. This is the idea that The Simpsons predicted the coronavirus. Right. So do you know about that?
0: You know, I think I heard something about it, but I also think that people are sometimes too quick to jump the gun on, is it so popular to say The Simpsons predicted something? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's true. So the deal is that there was an image that went around Twitter recently that had four pictures in it. They were implied to all be from the same episode that said, hashtag coronavirus. The Simpsons scares me. This episode aired 27 years ago. William, was that like that by you? Oh, my God. Could you guys see that? Could you see?
0: Oh, could you yeah i'll be making a gif of that later oh my god
1: oh honey you can come up
0: oh my come god here. come
1: here oh
0: oh crummy is he scared
1: yeah that Buddy. was huge that was
0: huge i heard it here like a millisecond after you that's weird right oh my god because the light wow. flashed on me as well but yeah oh, i guess a delay dile- but then i would have seen it happen to you after Trying to think of the delays of, like, video chatting. Um, I don't know. That was crazy.
1: So, like, the room lit up here?
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. The the oh, light like, completely God. flashed, like, across you. Lightning must have struck right outside your apartment, right?
1: Yeah. It looked really bright.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because it, it usually wouldn't, you wouldn't jump just because you heard lightning.
1: Oh, no. It It seemed like it was, like, close. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's so crazy.
1: Holy. Oh, excuse me. Uh, okay.
0: <laughs> you okay?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I'm fine. Okay. Okay. So the tweet that went around showed a newscaster with a box that said coronavirus behind him, like, you know, on the news when they have a little graphic there. The next one had what appeared to be an Asian factory worker coughing on a box Then there was an image with a cloud of germs around Homer and then a cloud of germs around another guy. So people unraveled it like fairly quickly. First of all, it was debunked um, when people realized that the graphic behind the newscaster that said coronavirus was fake. But even further than that... The writer of that episode, whose name is Bill Oakley, told also the Hollywood reporter that the Im- that image in particular with the newscaster, is from a different episode entirely than the other three with the germ clouds ah. and he was upset that the image was going around and strengthening the belief that Asians should be blamed for the coronavirus hmm. um, it i don't really get why that was even in an episode i don't know. It, I don't have the context or whatever, but he said that the scene in Japan in the episode was quote, supposed to be a quick joke about how the flu got there and nothing more. Right. And then here's another quote from him about it. He said it was meant to be absurd that someone could cough into a box and the virus would survive for six to eight weeks in the box. It's cartoonish. We intentionally made it cartoonish because we wanted to be silly and not scary and not carry any of these bad associations along with it, which is why the virus itself was acting like like a cartoon character. Character and behaving in extremely unrealistic ways. So I think that germ cloud was like you know kind of coming after people and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah.
0: interesting too, though, because that also reminds me. I don't know. It's got zero association with what you just said, but it just mm-hmm. reminded me of the whole Apu situation. Yeah, with the Simpsons and how like they finally, finally, finally are like setting that right, right. theoretically. Um, right.
1: Yeah. I mean, without seeing this, I just don't really. I don't know. Just smacks me as like did it have to be from like an Asian country that this flu came from even when the episode was made. Yeah. Um, Because it is an American cartoon. It is a little bit like this came from elsewhere. Other kind of stuff. Um, But yeah I mean it's kind of it seems like he's Kind of trying to soften that in his quote to the Hollywood reporter, but also, like you said, like people learn, you know what I mean? And they're making the Apu thing right, so what are you gonna do?
0: Yeah, exactly. Doesn't make it
1: right, but you know, you have to grow
0: totally, totally. Mm -hmm. Um, all right, so let's talk about the three eyed fish prediction from The Simpsons. This is like Simpsons iconography. In a way. So there was an episode called two cars in every garage and three eyes on every fish. Mm -hmm. It is season two, episode four. It aired November 1st, 1990. The plot is that Bart catches a fish. The fish has three eyes. This fish becomes known as Blinky and it's (laughs) like it makes headlines all over the place. And it eventually brings the government in to do um, some inspections of the Springfield nuclear power plant, Mm -hmm. uh, where Mr. Burns is then um, uh, ordered to pay $56 million worth of (laughs) violations off. And Homer eventually suggests to Mr. Burns, well, hey, if you ran for governor, maybe you could overturn all this and make sure the plant stays open. So Mr. Burns tries to run for governor. It's all about this three-eyed fish. Yeah, Um, uh, Maggie, or no, uh, not Maggie, Lisa and Marge are trying to oppose Mr. Burns because they're Mm -hmm. more like environmentalists. Right. Um, And meanwhile, Mr. Burns is on television with an actor who's playing Charles Darwin, claiming (laughs) that Blinky is the next step of evolution, not a, quote, hideous genetic mutation. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And then it all comes to a head when Mr. Burns goes to the Simpsons household for dinner, which I think is supposed to be like a a making peace with Marge and Lisa. It's like a publicity event. Yeah. Okay. Um, but Marge and Lisa unveil Mr. Burns's dinner. It's the fish that Bart caught. It is Blinky, the three-eyed fish. So oh if that my fish God. is is a normal evolutionary, you know, trait having those three eyes. Then he should right? be safe to eat, right? Yeah. So if it's Mr. Fun, Burns, yeah. What's the problem? Mr. Burns uh, uh, picks it up, puts it in his mouth, and then gets grossed out and spits it across the room, and he loses the whole thing. <laughs> The episode ends with Burns warning Homer that his dreams will go unfulfilled as long as I'm alive, which is great. Just
1: seemingly forever.
0: Your dreams will go unfulfilled <laughs> as long as I live. Um, yeah, so Blinky the fish first showed up in this season two episode like, as like a big deal thing, but there was a Blinky fish way back in season one, which makes yeah. it feel like the Simpsons like predicted their own future episode where they would use this fish for some purpose. Yeah. You know?
1: Amazing. Right.
0: Also, yeah. Blinky the three eyed fish has uh, an extra eye due to nuclear waste. Whereas mm. in the sister series Futurama, one of the main characters, Leela, has one eye, and everyone assumes she's an alien until she finds out that she is descended from the mutants who live in the sewers. Um, and uh, that theoretically, she's got one eye because of nuclear radiation as well. Oh. So, like, the, the Blinky the Fish got an extra eye. She got one eye less for, like, the yeah. same reason on a, on a show possibly set in the same world.
1: Yeah. Interesting. Kind of the, the Simpsons love nuclear radiation.
0: They sure do. Yeah. Uh, and so does real life because Blinky the Fish predicted, um, well, arguably a bunch of things. There have been plenty of mutated fish over the years since that episode of The Simpsons aired. There was a rainbow trout that had two mouths found in Nebraska. Oh, my God. But the idea of a three-eyed fish is very specific and finally came to pass uh, in October 2011, almost exactly 21 years after that episode of The Simpsons aired. Gizmodo reported, The Simpsons called it, three-eyed fish caught outside of a nuclear power plant.
1: Oh, my God.
0: And it turns out that uh, in Cordoba, Argentina... Uh, Some fishermen caught a three-eyed wolf fish in a Mm. reservoir near a local nuclear power plant. And it has made everybody nervous about what the uh, nuclear radiation is doing to the environment there.
1: Yeah, understandably.
0: At the time, they said, we will not eat this fish. We will have this fish preserved to study uh, how this happened to it. Uh, well, did they I change mean, their minds? <laughs> I did try to find like updates on a lot of the stories I'm going to share with you today, and I didn't get great updates, but yeah. I can only report on what was reported in 2011. So <laughs> at the time that it happened, they said we will not eat it. Not At the time, they said they wouldn't eat it, and then they did.
1: <laughs> right, right, right.
0: Yeah, <laughs> But there you go. But
1: un- unclear. We don't know that they didn't. I think they probably didn't.
0: Yeah, I think they probably did not eat that fish. <laughs> My um, God. Now, Blinky the fish is kind of cute. He's like a little goldfish with three eyes. Yep. Um, This this wolf fish with three eyes is
1: uh, far less adorable. Just that it's called a wolf fish makes it sound like, I don't know, not smooth. No. Bumpy. Yeah, bumpy, rough fish with three eyes. I don't like fish. I don't love fish myself. I I don't know. There's some pretty ones I think about it. You know what I mean? Think about an aquarium. Sometimes they're really pretty. You
0: think about an aquarium.
1: Okay, I will. Fine. But no, I mean, there there are a lot of... I mean, we've definitely talked about how the deep is full of horrors before. Oh, yeah. And uh, there there are a lot of really scary, freaky-looking fish out there that I wouldn't want to meet mm-hmm. in a dark water alley.
0: That's smart.
1: In, in a dark <laughs> That's was smart lake? of me to say.
0: In a dark, Why th- <laughs> in a dark lake.
1: <laughs> Why, thank you for saying so. You came
0: to the wrong side of the pond.
1: Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> hey nice. new fish <laughs> wow wow there's a lot more here than <laughs> i would have guessed there's,
0: there's more to mine
1: what are you looking at three eyes oh, instead of four eyes
0: six eyes
1: yeah you glasses
0: <laughs> but there you go blinky the fish called it nuclear nuclear three-eyed fish they exist the-
1: They knew well, so that's one. Like a lot of these, it still is weird. But that's one where people have talked about nuclear things causing physical reactions. Yeah, like forever. So you could guess that something like that would happen. You know what I mean? Yeah, but it's just
0: it's just pretty specific.
1: No, it is specific. But there are definitely some things on here where I'm like, how could they possibly have guessed that? They did. That's plausible. But it's just so unlikely. Totally. You know what I mean? Totally. Totally. Um. So one of those that's kind of like this, you could guess it, but it's still kind of specific are the voting machine issues that were in episode four of season 20 in 2008. So in this episode, Homer was trying to vote for Obama but the machine kept switching his vote over to John McCain. And then just four years later in the next election in 2012, there was a voting machine in Pennsylvania that was actually doing that. And it had to be removed because it was switching votes from Obama to Mitt Romney. That's
0: crazy.
1: Isn't that weird?
0: You would think that like, if there was a glitch with a voting machine, yeah. that the glitch would like, not accept your vote or something. Not be like, I think you said Mitt Romney. Is
1: that yes. correct? Did you say Mitt Romney right. and then just accept it?
0: Yeah, that's bizarre.
1: It's very, very weird. So that's it. That's just a little shorty. But like, that's one of them that fall into the category of how the hell did that happen?
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, here's one that has a, a certain amount of weight to it. Mm-hmm. And it's actually kind of sad. Um, okay. Because evidently in the Simpsons episode, Springfield with a dollar sign. Mm-hmm. Springfield, or how I learned to stop worrying and love legalized gambling. Okay. From season five, episode ten, December nineteen ninety three, shows Mister Burns opening a casino in Springfield mm-hmm. and booking the magician duo act of Gunter and Ernst.
1: Okay, I see where this is going.
0: Gunter and Ernst have a white tiger named Anastasia. Uh-huh. Who is riding around on the stage on a unicycle? And they're telling the crowd, Look, Anastasia loves show business. She was born for this. And then Anastasia is zooming on the tiger's face, who has a flashback where, like, the, er, you know, Gunther and Ernst are being like, She loves this more than the wild jungle, the, the lawless <laughs> jungle. And then they flash back to Anastasia sleeping. Sleeping peacefully, just like yeah. outside of like a grove of trees. And Gunter and Ernst drive up in a car and go, Hey, tiger, wake up! <laughs> and shoot it with a tranquilizer gun. And we flash back to Anastasia on stage, riding her little unicycle. And she's like, hey, wait a minute. And pounces on Gunter and Ernst, <laughs> <laughs> ripping them to shreds. Of course, predicting almost 20 years earlier exactly that moment... When Siegfried and Roy had a tiger attack on stage, Roy Horn Ugh. was attacked by a white tiger called Montecor. Um, Montecor. Now, I looked into it a bit, mm-hmm. and because uh, I was curious, I've always heard about the Siegfried and Roy tiger yeah. attack. I'm, you know, we're I think the exact right age to have heard a million and one Siegfried and Roy jokes growing yes. up. Yes, I had zero awareness of them at all. Um, I
1: mean, I knew who they were and everything, but I you know, I can't say that I know a ton about them.
0: Right, yeah. So I, I found out what happened, and it wasn't that Montecore had a flashback to the jungle.
1: Do we not know? I mean, we don't know. Uh, I guess that's true. it might have.
0: Yeah <laughs> But Roy, on stage, improvised. He did oh. something that was off-book. He put his microphone near the tiger's mouth and told it to say hello. It immediately bit him on the sleeve, and when he swatted it on the nose and went, release! He fell back. He just fell down, Roy. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And the tiger immediately saw an opening and Oh pounced. my god. That um, is
1: so scary.
0: Yeah, they describe it as, like, the tiger draining him of blood and, like, biting him and, and slashing him. It was horrible. Um, here's the thing. Evidently, Roy of Siegfried and Roy, either in that moment, causing him to fall down or during the tiger attack itself, suffered a stroke.
1: Oh my God.
0: So that's a double whammy right there. Yeah, truly. Um, while being taken to the hospital, Roy Horn said, "Monticor is a great cat. Make sure no harm comes to Montecore. Uh, he would later uh, claim that the tiger actually tried to save his life by dragging him to safety after he had a stroke, which most everyone disagreed with.
1: That sounds unlikely if other descriptions of it are that the tiger was draining him of blood. correct.
0: Nobody agrees. Trainer Chris Lawrence refuted the explanation, um, alleging that it was due to Horn's mishandling of Montecore. And then the duo of Siegfried and Roy dismissed that guy's claims, stating, quote, he had problems with his life anyway, which I don't know what that means, but I wrote Oh, the the, guy
1: who said that, I guess. Okay.
0: Uh, Not not Montecore. (laughs) Yeah. Not Montecore. (laughs) Montecore had life problems with his life, (laughs) but uh, they also then said that, um, uh, or Chris Lawrence, the, the animal trainer said Mm -hmm. that he believes the duo and the casino, the Mirage were covering up the real reason for the attack in order to protect their image, which is interesting.
1: Now. Uh, the, just the real reason being that he went off book. He went off book. And, yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: You know. Um, now, uh, here's a miserable, uh, horrible sidebar that I learned and I did not know. All right. Great. Roy Horn of Siegfried and Roy died earlier this year, May 8th, mm-hmm. due to complications from COVID.
1: not that crazy? I, I didn't know that either. Yeah.
0: I didn't see that being... Uh, yeah. reported all that much, but Siegfried and Roy, he, he survived huh. that tiger attack yeah. until COVID. Uh, meanwhile, oh, Montecore lived to be 17 years old. Uh, that sounds I like googled a pretty it. good age. I, it is a good age. I googled it, and the average lifespan for a tiger is 10 to 15 years. So, well Holy done, Montecor.
1: Maybe, maybe biting Roy fortified him in some way. Oh
0: my God. Well, he did drain his blood, so he siphoned his life.
1: Right, maybe that human blood is to Montecore as unicorn blood Mm -hmm. was to Voldemort.
0: It gave him but a half-life. A cursed life. And it bought him an extra two years beyond the average lifespan of any tiger. Right. So Montecor lived to be the oldest tiger on planet Earth.
1: So Montecore laughs last.
0: (laughs) He he who laughs last, laughs best. And drank the most.
1: It certainly sounds like it.
0: (laughs) This is horrible.
1: Holy macaroni.
0: <laughs> Horrible. But yeah, as as pointed out, the Simpsons already showed someone getting mauled by a tiger in a magician duo. And it was either Gunter or Ernst.
1: I don't know. <laughs> Unclear. Unclear. Holy crap. Well, Will, before we go further, I would like us to tell everybody about a podcast that we both love yeah. called Euphemet, And I have a feeling that some of you guys have listened to it already. But if you haven't, definitely check it out. So, You've Met with Jim Perry is a podcast documentary series about the unknown and our relationship to it, featuring real people sharing astonishing paranormal experiences that have helped shape their lives. That's
0: right, from a real vampire who becomes a community organizer during a natural disaster to a That's young a good one. Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) To a young girl struggling with obsessive fears of being possessed only to find solace as a ghost hunter. Euphemet is all about the actual humans behind the scary stories as Jim embeds himself on some of the most paranormally active locations in the world to get firsthand in the field perspective on their lives.
1: That's right. So euphemet is often cinematic, strange, and scary, but it's always heartfelt. And you can hear euphemet. The way you spell this is E U P H. O-M-E-T on Spotify or any major podcast app, same as you do with us. So definitely check it out. It's a great show. It's really well produced. And what I mean by that is that the sound effects and the music are beautiful and they really add to the whole vibe of it. It's like a very kind of it's a thoughtful show. Like, it's kind of journalistic, but something that I like about it that separates it from just straight up journalism is that it's not completely objective. Like, Jim is kind of putting himself into this, and you kind of get to know him and understand his point of view and his open mindedness a little bit. And it's just, it's like, I would say it's a beautiful show.
0: I agree. It's a very, it's a very like comforting show in a way. Yes. Albeit spooky. Um, yes. Jim is a great guy, too. I actually yeah. it was years ago now, but I went to a podcasting convention mm-hmm. over a weekend with Jim. and yeah. uh, I don't know. It was nice like hanging out with him, and it was uh, I don't know. He's just a really cool guy, and Euphemet's a great show,
1: yeah. He's like a really interesting person and he and he's interested in weird, interesting things. and then he uses Euphemet to kind of express that so absolutely. I think that you guys would really, really like it. I really encourage you to check it out. Um, an episode that I really enjoy that we didn't mention just now is kind of earlier in the run about um, Bigfoot Hunters. Mm, and it's yeah. actually a really kind of sweet, touching episode. Um, so so check it out. Definitely go check out Euphemet E-U-P-H-O-M-E-T. And let us know what you think.
0: Yeah, go check it out.
1: Yeah. Okay, so now let's bounce back to Silly Simpsons stuff. This was a fun one that I did a little bit of extra research on because I thought it may have been kind of two predictions in one, and I got excited, but I was wrong. Oh, okay. So this is the Simpsons predicting Lady Gaga's halftime show at the Super Bowl. In episode 22 of season 23, which was in 2012, so five years before Lady Gaga actually did the Super Bowl, Lady Gaga performed in Springfield, and she was flying through the air, very similarly to the way that she did it when she actually did the Super Bowl, like all on wires and everything. Um, The thing that I thought maybe was also a bonus prediction is that in the episode, she has fireworks shooting out of her bra, And I was like, oh, man, did they also predict the Katy Perry firework video (laughs) where she has fireworks like shooting out of her boobs? But that came out in 2010, two years before the Simpsons episode. So it wasn't a double prediction, but still very cool. And it's a fun episode. I looked because I was curious about whether Lady Gaga actually played herself in the episode. And she did. And I'll have a link to it in the show notes because um, it's at least a clip of it in the show notes it's really funny she like reworks some of her songs to be simpsons-y and uh they called it she probably was stoked when she got to do the super bowl and was like oh man like this came true this was probably something that when she played on the simpsons was like wouldn't this be awesome yeah and then it happened
0: yeah that is cool yeah how, how do you rework a song to be simpsons-y i'm
1: trying you just to just mention think.
0: bart halfway through
1: maybe it was i ha, know ha, ha, that- homer face oh my oh my god is that a good joke yes is that admissible it is as a joke yes i think that that has all the hallmarks of a joke um <laughs> i don't remember i just i just know that it wasn't just her straight up singing let's dance or anything I, I remember when i watched the clip that there were new lyrics and i assumed that they were about the simpsons
0: right okay yeah that's <laughs> <Fantastic. laughs> <It was> good <laughs> All right. Well, uh, uh, this one's a, a little less razzle dazzle. <laughs> yeah. But uh, there's an episode from season five, episode 19. It's actually the 100th episode of The Simpsons mm. overall. Episode yeah. 100, called "Sweet Seymour Skinner's Badass Song." Okay. It's badass with like a bunch of a's and a bunch of asses.
1: Nice. Still a- musical. Oh yeah, yeah. You're right about
0: that. Uh, aired in April 1994. There's a whole scene where Bart brings his dog in for show and tell and it just runs all over the place and it like runs to the cafeteria. It'll eventually get Skinner fired and he has his own misadventure. But yeah. in, the, in the scenes of, of the dog, Santa's little helper, running all over the place in the school, they see Lunch Lady Doris making lunch for the kids with a giant vat that says, assorted horse parts, now with more testicles
1: <laughs> on it. Is, that's like a very Simpsons-y joke. Isn't that great?
0: It yes. made me wonder if Conan O'Brien had a hand in that because that feels yeah. also very Conan, you know? Yes.
1: Yes. And it's early <laughs> enough that he was writing. Yeah. yeah.
0: But I, he probably I think he had late yeah. night by that point. But um the the idea of advertising it now with more testicles as if that's <laughs> a huge selling point. Oh,
1: that's a bonus. People
0: have been dying for like when Captain Crunch has like Oops right. all berries. Right. Oops, all testicles.
1: It still works. Oops, all berries. Yeah. Instead of oops, all testicles.
0: Yeah. <laughs> but I love that. Assorted horse parts now with more testicles. <laughs> so anyway, the, 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 the theory here is that they predicted that horse meat was being used in, in food as, as yeah. a meat, meat substitute. Yes. Um, which evidently was found to be true in 2013 approximately 19 years after the Simpsons showed it to us, the Mm -hmm. Food Safety Authority of Ireland found horse DNA in over one-third of beef burger samples from supermarkets and, like, ready, pre-made foods. Yeah. Um, According to Wikipedia, there was, quote, as much as 100% horse meat and things. (laughs) Just... (laughs) An alarming what? statistic.
1: Horse meat must not be too shab. I guess if not. they got away with it for a while.
0: Yeah, if, no, if people are right? tasting it and they, they believe that it's beef.
1: Yeah. Can't
0: believe it's not horse. Right. <laughs> um, as much as 100%. Um, now, I, I did a little looking into how this was possible. And I found uh, something that maybe people should have, um, well, in a weird Go. way, it was staring us right in the face.
1: Oh, really? In the long face? In the long face.
0: Yeah. Uh, The meat was being traced. You know, once they found out there was horse meat and stuff, they're trying to figure out in the supply chain, where did this happen? Mm -hmm. And they traced it back where some of the meat was coming from a company called Drap Trading Ltd. Drap spelled D-R-A-A-P. It's a meat trader from the Netherlands. And Mm -hmm. they were buying horse meat, and then yeah. relabeling it as beef, they oh, would either man. call it Dutch or German beef, which I guess that's is that's so funny. So that's like um, Dutch beef.
1: Yeah, like how Rocky Mountain oysters are like bull there testicles. You go. Yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah. But now here is where it gets a little crazier. Drap Trading Ltd. D R A A P. All right, the word does that
1: mean horse in another language? Sort of. Because Spelled I was gonna, backwards,
0: it's P-A-A-R-D, which is Dutch for horse.
1: Oh, my God. I was going to joke about the company being called, like, Shore, and it's horse. Right, yeah. You know? no, very yeah. close. That's ridiculous. Very, very Why close. Why would they even do that? To get away with it. Sickos. Total sickos. Yeah, they were getting thrills from this right in our faces. We'll
0: hide it right in front of them. Drap. Pard.
1: Horse. That's ridiculous. And the Simpsons knew. Holy crap. Also, didn't Ikea have horse meat in their meatballs like just a couple of years ago? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, there was like a thing about the Ikea meatballs. Oh, no. And a bunch of people were like, I don't care, I'll eat them anyway.
0: Of course, people always do that. Yeah. Whenever whenever some horrible news comes out about people lying to you about what you're eating, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay, I'll eat more then. Fine, I'll, I'll, can I have yours?
1: Well, but you know, like... It is kind of like what's the difference in a way. Like, I'd rather know exactly what I'm eating, obviously, but it's still an animal.
0: It's not what's the difference either way. It's don't lie to me about what's in the food.
1: (laughs) I know. I agree don't lie to me, but I'm just saying theoretically. It's not like it's so different. You know what I mean? like
0: Right. I mean, listen, either way, an animal's getting killed for you to eat that thing.
1: That's what I'm saying. It's, it's really not that different theoretically, but I would obviously, you should know what you're eating. All right,
0: Kristen, next time you come over, I'm going to serve you meat. No! <laughs> <laughs> All you right. will not you know what i would rather
1: eat william oh i made
0: meat sandwiches for everybody <laughs> if anybody ever says that to you i don't
1: even like yeah i don't even like joking about <laughs> I don't this. like that who wants a meat sandwich you want a meat sandwich yikes <laughs> no here's what i want to eat william i would like to eat a tomaco oh i remember you know this what episode. that is i do okay all right. So this isn't exact. It's not a prediction, but it's worth mentioning because it's cool. It kind of fits because there was something in an episode and it happens later. In episode five of season 11 of the show in 1999, Homer created the tomato plant, which is um, between a tomato and tobacco. And then a Simpsons fan named Rob Bauer decided to make one himself, grafting together a tobacco root and a tomato root. And I guess he contacted the Simpsons about it and let them know, and they invited him and his family to the Simpsons' offices and tried the tobacco plant. I couldn't find what they thought about the tobacco plant.
0: If they liked it, I bet they would have said.
1: Well, this was kind of a a listicle that we were drawing from. So maybe, you know, maybe they didn't include information like that all the time. Um, And that list is going to be linked in the show notes. So if you guys want to go back over these things that we're talking about. Mm -hmm. But um, I thought that that was awesome that they invited him there.
0: Yeah. What a thrill. That's pretty cool. That's pretty fun. Yeah. Uh, But that, I would argue, is not a prediction at all
1: okay that's how i started it i said this isn't a prediction i'm not taking you down i'm taking the notion down that it's one
0: of those things that gets like shared on sites as if it's a prediction i'll do i'll do one uh that's the same thing for me right here which is also shared as a prediction but i would completely disagree um i this is this is listed all over the place with uh, along with you know the donald trump presidency simpsons Mm -hmm. predicted this they saw it coming yeah Auto correct. you go to type in something You've got Fiery Passion, and then it comes out as Duck. <laughs> <laughs> um, so in the episode Lisa on Ice, mm-hmm. season six, episode eight, 1994, school bullies are going to beat up Martin. You know who Martin is? Is, that...
1: is he the kid with like a bowl cut? Uh, no, he might who's have... that? That's, uh... you, I think
0: he might be thinking of Ralph Wiggum. He
1: that doesn't have a bowl thing, cut,
0: yes. but he's, he's like... a <laughs> <That> stupid kid. <laughs>
1: I don't know, but it doesn't matter.
0: Go ahead. Martin, I think, is like a, a, a preppy little mm-hmm. like polo shirt kid. Anyway, the okay. school bullies want to beat up Martin, but they're going to take a note to remind themselves to do it later. So <laughs> it's 1994, remember? So this is the era of beepers and pagers, no cell yes. phones. Really? I mean, I guess they had them, but they, yeah. They, yeah. So they pull out a PDA, a personal computer device, mm-hmm. uh, made by Apple. It's called the Newton they pull out their stylus and they write on the screen, beat up Martin. Uh-huh. And the, the PDA, the Apple PDA, uh, interprets that handwriting as eat up Martha. <laughs> because the Apple Newton, this handheld computer that you could put in your pocket and write on with a stylus, sucked. So right. the... <laughs> It was, it was certainly a precursor to the idea of having a cell phone that's also like a computer in your pocket. And, you know, right, right. now we can write on our phones uh, all the yeah. long day until the cows come home, Kristen. Yes. Um,
1: and you can do handwriting like on the Apple Watch. Mm-hmm. Like you could text by scrolling or scrawling something out like
0: that. Yeah, it's true. I actually was using my Microsoft Surface with my Surface Pen to uh. write and have it turn into text the other day. I've been really enjoying it. Look at you. Um, But so this evidently predicted reality because autocorrect exists today. Yeah. Um, However, here's the thing. They didn't predict reality. They may Mm -hmm. have crafted it because after that episode aired at Apple headquarters, there was a panic. Eat up. Martha was frequently brought up in meetings where they were talking about fixing typing on small electronics.
1: Whoa. They were
0: terrified of having another eat up Martha moment. Yeah. And so here is from uh, uh, Nitin Ganatra, former director of engineering for iOS applications at Apple, who told Fast Company that this moment on The Simpsons served as an inspiration to get the iPhone keyboard right.
1: Whoa. So
0: not predicting the future.
1: No, shaping Making it. it. Yeah. How
0: great is that?
1: That's awesome. It definitely speaks to the omnipresence of The Simpsons. Yeah, right? You know what I mean? Like its influence.
0: But there you go, dorks out there. If somebody says The Simpsons predicted the future because of autocorrector tobacco plants, you yeah. go, um, well, actually, here's As episode 141 fact. of Guide to the Unknown where they will prove you wrong.
1: There's an important distinction between prediction and coincidence. <laughs> or not even coincidence. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, well, now you're the dork. Yeah, you yeah. You didn't even use the right word
1: damn it well here's some more dorky stuff that i'm not even privy to so it makes me even more of a dork okay they predicted the game of thrones twisteroo oh. of the series finale so two years before the game of thrones finale there was a game of thrones themed episode called the surf sins s-e-r-f sins you know uh um, yeah it's episode one <laughs> of season 29 It's a Game of Thrones spoof, which included Homer bringing a dragon back to life. um, And that dragon then in turn blasts fire all over the village, destroying it. Then two years later, the Game of Thrones finale had previous hero Daenerys lose it. And fly her dragon around, destroying the village, even though this village had already surrendered, roasting thousands of innocent people. So two years previously, the Simpsons showed a dragon destroying the land, and then the finale had a dragon destroying the land.
0: Hmm, Okay, well, isn't that just what dragons do?
1: Yeah, but you could just have the dragon, like, fly triumphantly. It's not like what they always do. Okay. Okay.
0: All right, I'll you know, buy that, sure. I th- I think that counts as a prediction. All right, all right, fine. This also counts as a prediction then. Okay. In the episode Itchy and Scratchy and Marge, season two, episode nine, 1990, Marge starts protesting Itchy and Scratchy for violence. Mm-hmm. And then it's eventually turned on her because she starts a brigade that gets the cartoon censored. And yeah. Then like the next cartoon they make is Itchy and Scratchy sitting on a porch drinking iced tea. <laughs> and the kids, <laughs> hate, kids hate it. <laughs> <laughs> but so it's so successful that uh, she creates sort of like a, 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 a we're offended mob. Yeah. And so when it's being uh, it announced that the statue of David is going to be toured around the country in one of the saps is in Springfield, a lot of that posse come to Marge saying, well, you should help us protest this because David is nude. Yeah. And so they talk about maybe putting a pair of pants on David. Um. <laughs> Now, what they (laughs) predicted—they predicted predicted something that's uh, equally funny, but so much dumber because it's real. Yeah. In July 2016, 26 years later, in Russia, there was a clone of the Statue of David, a plastic recreation, 16 feet tall, Mm -hmm. that was going to be put in the center of Saint Petersburg. And there was outrage. Um, here's a quote from uh, one of the people who, was pro- who were protesting it. How could you put this bloke without any trousers on in the center of St. Petersburg next to a school and a church? This giant spoils the city's historic appearance and warps children's souls. Oh, my God. Warp. Felt like I was like doing American hysteria just there. That yeah, felt seriously. very like an American hysteria quote.
1: Yes, it does. Yeah. That's so wait, did they put underpants on the statue of David? I kept trying to find updates on this.
0: So many people ripped apart the notion of wanting yeah. to put pants on David that like there were artists who eventually like used masking tape to tape a, a teeny tiny little black circle just over the wiener. So the rest of it, you can still see. Um, There was like a whole website that was like, what should we make him wear? With like different outfit suggestions.
1: Yeah, like those those magnet sets where you can give David clothes. We had that.
0: Yeah, exactly. So I don't know what the actual outcome was because it's buried under so many people just saying to put a hat on it. (laughs) So I don't know.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. That's amazing all around. I can't believe that that was a thing. I know. How dare you? Have this incredibly famous, influential right.
0: piece of art that is a human, which we all are. Yeah. Here.
1: Right. <laughs> How could you? And it's going to destroy children's souls? How do you warp someone's soul? Yeah, just by seeing a naked body? See a, a nude statue wiener. Yeah. No wonder some people have issues. I, I hope that that wasn't somebody's mom. Yeah, you know what I mean? It Who's like. Been. Sounds like it was. Shaming, shaming the body. Yep. Oy oy, oy. Tough All news. Right, well, <laughs> tough news. Tough for those kids. Yeah. Okay. Well, here's something I don't understand in a different sort of way. The Simpsons predicted the Higgs-Boson equation. Hmm. You know about that, right, Will?
0: That's the God particle.
1: Yes, it is. It is the God particle. Okay, so here is a little explanation that I barely understand. The Higgs boson is an elementary particle that helps explain why other particles in the universe have mass. The theory hypothesizes that all subatomic particles interact within an energy field which in turn gives them mass. So, I barely understand. But yeah, here's what I here's agreed. how it here's how it pre- it relates to the Simpsons. So, I don't even understand anything about this. I don't know how this was predicted by real people. Cause it's uh, this thing that I wrote down says that the existence of it was predicted in 1964. I guess you could substitute the word theorized right. for that. It just, yeah, the word predicted seemed weird to me. Well, I but, mean, I
0: mean, Al- Albert Einstein predicted, uh, the way that black holes would look, right? That's so true. like math, Math and yeah. science are, you know, it's not necessarily predicting, but it's actually like creating models that can't be proven in your own time.
1: Right. right. So that counts as a prediction. Sure. Yeah. I think they were just using that as a parallel to The Simpsons. Yeah, yeah. But basically, you know, they came up with the idea of this in 1964, but scientists weren't able to prove it until 2013 after doing a $13 billion experiment Whoa. in order to prove it, which is crazy. Now, here is definitely. I would have done it for five. Oh mean I was done for free. What the hell? Um, here is definitely a point in the camp of Simpsons writers are like some of them are very smart nerds because in this episode called "The Wizard of Evergreen Terrace" from 1998, Homer writes an equation on a blackboard um, after he's inspired by Thomas Edison and becomes an inventor. Oh! And the equation that he writes equals the mass of a Higgs boson as it's eventually proven to be in 2013. That's so crazy. That's definitely intentional. Um, it, it had to be, that's an insane coincidence. Yeah, It must be that one of the writers was up on Higgs boson, theorizing and predicting a news and had Homer write this thing out. That turned out to be the correct thing.
0: That's fantastic.
1: It's, Crazy, so 15 years later. Is that right? Yeah. Mm
0: So wait, 1998, is that what you said?
1: Yes, and they proved it in 2013.
0: Okay. So I think that that must have been shortly before, around the time that Futurama would eventually come out. I don't don't know when Futurama came out. But point is, same creators as The Simpsons. I don't know this as a fact, but I wouldn't be shocked for there to be crossover in the writing teams. So in Futurama, they frequently... Would do like uh, chalkboard gags, Mm -hmm. where um, the professor guy would have absurdly complicated mathematics happening on the boards behind him that were always right, Um, or would uh, the the equation would be answered and then you know deducing the answer would reveal a gag of some Mm -hmm. sort, or they would hide mathematical jokes. All over the place, and so i that I've never heard of that happening in The Simpsons as well, but i'm I'm simultaneously shocked and not shocked at all, yeah, Futurama was covered in scientific jokes like absurdly complicated humor,
1: interesting I mean it makes sense that there may be some overlap there yeah
0: that's kind of cool, yeah well um, right,
1: why don't you hit us with one last one that's
0: what I was thinking yeah i I, I personally think I'm going to sort of end at the beginning, okay, uh, a little bit, some of this is um to me, a little bit of a, eh, who cares? But it's a satisfying bookend, because that episode, Bart to the Future, which had predicted the Donald Trump presidency, was the second time The Simpsons had ever done an episode that took place in the future.
1: Mm -hmm. Uh,
0: The first time they ever did it was a show called Lisa's Wedding, season six, episode 19. It aired in 1995, where Lisa envisions the future. And because she was envisioning the future, there are a lot of futuristic things Mm-hmm. happening in that episode which obviously if i'm talking about them it's because later on they were shown to have come true or actually exist yeah uh i'll start with the dumbest one first in the future in a library the librarians are robots
1: okay now we have robots at the grocery store Yeah, and do like, other things and
0: literally there were like kids at like a college that made a, a robot that was supposed to help you find books and mm-hmm. so okay whatever that's 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 simple Let's get a little more complicated. Um, There's a character who takes a phone call by looking down at his wrist and a teeny tiny little flip phone cell phone opens up and he's talking into it.
1: Ah! Closes it.
0: Is that an Apple watch? Is that a smart watch right there? Like what's going on there? Now, I would argue that that's also a little dopey because uh, I think talking into your wrist is a a frequent. um, It
1: is. Batman did it.
0: Yeah. Batman did it. Uh, I think it was in uh, Get Smart. Dick Tracy for yes. sure had a wrist communicator. Yes. So not that not that big a deal. But but take this, bust this. Okay. All right. I'll and bust h- it. Handle this. In London, there is today a building called the Shard. It's mm-hmm. a tall skyscraper. And in the Simpsons episode in Ew, London, there's a
1: building called the Shard in London.
0: Do you know what sharking <laughs> is? All right. Um, they show Big Ben mm-hmm. and far off in the background of Big Ben, they just sort of have like very simple line drawing skyline, almost like the, um, you know, like the, the Seattle skyline and the, the title card for Frasier.
1: Obviously. You
0: know, it's a cartoon. So it's, it's sort of like simple, just like little drawings of buildings and stuff. Yeah. But in this 1995 episode of The Simpsons, there's an angular pointy building all the way in the background which very greatly resembles not only the shape of the, sh- the building, the shard, but the location where, weird. It, where it is in London, approximately where it is to big Ben.
1: That is very strange.
0: Not the focal point of the shot at all. Right. It's as if the cartoonist saw the future skyline.
1: That's so weird and so cool. Isn't that kind of fun? Yeah, and I absolutely. think that they
0: have, after these two episodes, Bart to the Future and Lisa's Wedding, I believe that they have now made it sort of a, um, a thing they'll sometimes do to have an episode take place in the future. Yeah, um, that makes sense. But these were the first two, and they each have uh, sort of their
1: own interestingly quirky uh, standout predictions. Yeah, they both kind of nailed it. Yeah. That's awesome. So, I mean, there's obviously a lot of weight to the idea that these are smart people who are having to kind of think ahead a little bit in time and that it's a numbers game. But also, some of these things are just like, how the hell did you come up with that? Yeah, it, it, You know, it kind of reminds me of the idea of ideas coming to you.
0: Yes, yes, yes. You know what I mean? Oh my god, now that you've said that, yeah, wizards and magic whispering in your ears, yeah.
1: Yes, exactly. So maybe there is a little bit of the supernatural to all this. Maybe. Maybe. Well, Guys, that brings us to the end of this week's episode of Guides the Unknown. Thank you so much for hanging out. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you want more of us, you can follow us everywhere on social media at Pod. Make sure you go to GTTUpod.com to get links to our Patreon, where you can donate $4 or more per month to say thank you to us for putting out this stuff. And you'll get a bonus podcast every month and lots of little extras here and there. There are tons of videos, audio written posts pictures over there that you can't see anywhere else so get into that you can also follow us individually online i'm at chillin Kristen everywhere on social media
0: i'm at the myth traveler
1: that's right and we would also really really appreciate it if you told a friend about guides the unknown yeah and or left us a five-star review because that stuff really matters and helps other people find the show also, don't forget that we have our spin off show, Ghost Adventures Adventures. You can check out four episodes of that right now as this comes out in real time. It's super fun. We take a goofy look at the show, Ghost Adventures, starring Zach Bagans. And if you like this show, you'll probably really like that one. Yeah, for sure.
0: And uh, mm-hmm. definitely also go check out Euphemet by Jim Perry. Yeah. And uh, hey, we'll see you next week when we come back for more spooky, scary, fun stuff. That's but right. until that time comes, we. Must travel.
1: Back to the netherworld, go we. There's an important distinction between prediction and coincidence. (laughs)